Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 210. Hey, beautiful riches. I'm Hayut, and I'm thrilled to be here with you today. My guest today, James Layfield, lost Microsoft as a client for being too arrogant, and then won the contract for partnering to establish Google Campus in London. James Layfield is an entrepreneur and investor creating positive change through innovation in sectors ranging from property to financial technology. Most recently, James co-founded ClearFind, an easy-to-use, unbiased artificial intelligence platform that is changing the way companies manage and optimize software with data. James is a general partner in a fintech investment fund treasury with co-founders of Acrons, Betterment, and a board member of PayPal, and has angel investments across a host of technology ventures. James has founded and led multiple successful companies, including Rise, the world's largest fintech innovation platform, with Barclays, Never Ever Limited, an innovation catalyst and consulting agency, and Central Working, a shared workspace hub for business professionals. James is currently an ambassador for Cognition X, the AI event London and Partners, and the Scale-Up Institute. He also serves as the New York Tech Ambassador for the Mayor of London. Let's listen to James' fantastic story. Enjoy. James Layfield, what a pleasure to meet you. Hi. Hi, nice to meet you too. <laughs> it's great to have you here. I'm really happy that you are here. And I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today? And where are you heading? Well, the thing that I'm working on right now is something that I've been exploring now for the last four years. Yeah. Uh, it's in a really interesting area of the world, which is uh, software. Um, mm-hmm. So pretty much anyone listening to this who has a business, I am absolutely convinced they'll have software in their business. <laughs> and <a lot laughs> probably, pretty, probably. It's pretty much impossible for them not to. Uh, in fact, how they're listening to this is using software. It's so pervasive. It's in everything we do. And the larger the organization they're working for, the more likely there are to have more and more complicated systems and software within that business. And so what I'm now working on here is a company called ClearFind. Yeah. And we're here to really help people bringing software into their company as effectively as possible and managing and reducing the cost of the software they already have. Do you mean in terms of implementing it? Well, interestingly, um, what we found over the last few years looking at this is there's a really big gap in the market. And that gap is around understanding 
the software that exists and how to use that software from a feature perspective. So right now, it's really, really challenging for people to go in and look for software that's going to fit their business needs. Google is a, a very um, a phenomenal place to find information, but it's not incredibly good when you've got really specific business requirements. Um, and that's where we have dug in. And so we've looked at all the features that sit behind nearly all software tools. We've mapped about 50,000 of them. And what we're doing is empowering people in a sort of technical role or in a department head role to be able to tell us what they're looking for the software to be able to do. And then we can actually match them using our smart match tool with that tool. And then on the flip side of that, we can help someone who's running um, a complex uh, technical ecosystem look at the software they have using our artificial intelligence and understand all the feature capabilities of that software so they can decide what software they need to keep and where they can make some consolidation and trade-offs. Wow. It sounds fantastic, but I'm confused. You know, the most important law of marketing is focus. And here you're just telling me that um, you have a product for any company, whatever their size is, whatever the business is. Who is your best customers? So it's a very, very good point. I think one of the interesting things about being on the entrepreneurial journey, as you mentioned, um, is narrowing down who it is that your product's for and understanding really that particular client. And so our client falls into two really wonderful areas. The first area are organizations that are spending about three to $10 million a year on their okay. software costs. Those guys have got complicated software ecosystems. They would perhaps look to third parties, including consultants, to come in and help them. And they have many, many stakeholders in their business. So many people who are influential in the decision process of bringing in new software and on what software to use. Those guys would be a sweet spot. The other side of the coin would actually be consultants themselves. So if you're a large consulting firm and you work with large companies, helping them work out what software they should implement and then helping them to implement it. The wonderful thing about our AI enabled and data tool is we can shortcut that process for you and give you and your consultants more confidence in talking to your clients. And we're doing that right now. So we have a number of consultants who use our tool to shortcut the process that would take them, let's say three to six months. And using our tool, it can be done in 14 days, which obviously, as you can imagine, if you're one of their clients, is a significant difference to their service proposition. Sounds good. Who were your first customers? How did you start? Um, so we had to, first of all, work out how on earth to do this. So what's really exciting, I hope, is we've, we've created something globally unique. And it's not very often anyone gets to say that sentence. And so I'm quite pleased mm -hmm. that we can say it. Uh, and what we, the reason it's globally unique is, until ClearFind, nobody had realized or found a way to, at scale, find out consistently the software capabilities and features. Nobody has done that before. We're the first people in the world to do that, and we're still the only people in the world that do that. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the first 
three years of our journey was spent working out how to do that and then gathering that data. We basically went to market in October last year. Oh. Um, because for the first three years of the company, we were working out how to get this data um, and how to use our AI to put, bring it to bear on companies. Um, so we already have two of the world's largest consulting firms working with us to use our tool for their clients. Okay. Uh, and then in terms of direct clients, we have people from the biotech sector to the high-tech sector, um, to finance and banking. The commonality really is the size of their ecosystem. So companies that are the 3 to $10 million spend mark. And also, I would say people who've got complexity in their ecosystem. They're the commonalities that we're finding today. Hmm. Tell me a bit about your career. How did you start? What is the story? Uh, so I think I think of myself definitely as a serial entrepreneur. That's good. Um, I, I've always been driven by a, an absolute passion to try and solve problems that I have faced in my life. And I think many entrepreneurs go about life like that. They find a problem that they face and they try and solve it. The interesting thing is my life has taken many different paths. And so I've tried to and hopefully successfully solve problems in a whole host of different sectors. And that, that encourages sort of property. So I worked in solving the problem with the way airports operate, looking at the way lounges operate in airports. Mm-hmm. Um, through co-working, um, I basically am credited with helping invent the idea of co-working in the UK. Oh. Um, many moons before um, we work came around, which is quite exciting. Um, through to financial technology. I've been working in financial technology for the last 10 years. Uh, with some of the biggest banks in the world. And it was through that last project that um, ClearFind was born. Mm. And what it was is we were working very, very closely with some very, very large banks in the US and just watching how they approached bringing technology into their institution, Mm -hmm. how many people were involved in that process, how long it took them to do it, uh, and observing that on a regular basis firsthand. And seeing projects that would you would expect to take a few months, take nearly two years. Yeah. Uh, seeing projects that you thought were going to be easy become impossible. Seeing projects that had unlimited resources behind them fail to materialize. That mm. I really got curious about why is this happening? What is the challenge that's stopping these large organizations that are very well resourced, that have the will and the, the desire to do this? What is stopping them realizing that potential? And that's when the insight came to myself and my co-founder, Jocelyn. The piece of the puzzle that was missing is a piece of the puzzle you have in every other area of your business, and that is data. There is no consistent language around software. There is no data around what the software actually does. And without that, you are having to start every project from scratch. And that is mind-numbing, that is time-consuming, and it's inefficient on a impossible to imagine scale i think it's like there's 30 billion a year wasted on software projects that just don't end up going anywhere um which is terrifying to think about in a world where we're trying to not uh, be as wasteful as we currently yes. are um, that you can waste that much time effort and money in those areas is, is shocking to that's me. right i just i remember the days that uh, only 50 percent of the companies that tried to implement erp succeeded 
Do you remember those days? Absolutely. It's, I mean, and that, I mean, it's shocking. And just think about it in terms of the complexity. So the number of available options on the market has increased exponentially. Uh, and yet the tools with which to navigate that complexity are the same. And that's why there is this beautiful area for a tool like ClearPoint, which is we're bringing um, this enormous amount of information that's now unmanageable to any human. And we're bringing that together with AI so that we can augment people in their jobs to make smarter, consistently smarter decisions. And that's what we think we've excelled at. Well, and as a solo entrepreneur, what would be your best advice about approaching the customer or customer focus to any of the entrepreneurs that are listening to us right now? I think basically listen. And I, think I, and I have to constantly remind myself of that. So literally just before this interview, I was with my management team. And what we're doing is just going back through the real insights that we have in our business from our real customers and opening our ears to listen to what they're really telling us. Mm. And what they're telling us in terms of their behavior as much as their words. Um, and I think once you are open to really listen to your customer, you then start to adapt and change your messaging, adapt and change your product um, in a way that's going to really resonate with them. It's very easy for someone, especially an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are naturally very confident in their opinions about things. That's why they go out there and break the rules, exactly. The problem with that is that same confidence and ability to break the rules can very much get in the way of listening to your customer. Right. Because you can say, well, no, I know best. Follow my lead. And I think what I'm finding more and more is the ability to be humble and listen is the secret source in R&D, really. It's the thing that lets you develop the best possible product to match with your client's needs. And that's what we are continuing to refine here at Clearbind. Um, adding new features, for example, we've just added the concept of a combined stakeholder search where many hundreds of people or tens of people across the same business can simultaneously use our smart match tool so that our tool can help them gain consensus around bringing complex software into their business. And it's something we saw time and again, and we couldn't quite understand why people weren't really jumping at this, this smart match tool. And what it was is ultimately no company um, empowers any one individual to decide what software they need. Mm -hmm. It's always a group task. It's got many different departments involved. And our tool hadn't taken account of that until now. So we listened we changed and we just launched the ability to do stakeholder smart match. Love this answer. Love this answer. And you've got successes and we'll get to, the, to it in a minute. But I would like to ask you to tell us about your biggest, most critical failure with customers. The one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or only, or almost the most. Well, that's it. that is sadly an easy one to tell you. <laughs> Um, and it's interesting because it, it really links back a lovely, in a lovely way to the point I just made, actually. So a while ago, many years ago, one of my first ever ventures um, was um, a, an experiential creative agency that would help large organizations 
market their products. So we create brand experiences to bring to life whatever it might be, from Jack Daniels, who's one of our clients, to Axe, the deodorant, all these guys, we help them bring their products to their customers and really get the customers mm-hmm. excited. Anyway, we had just got to the final stages of working, hopefully about to win Microsoft. As you can imagine, mm-hmm. Microsoft is an amazing client for any company to get, especially an agency like that. So we got to that stage and um, we, were, we, were, we were meeting the people that you never want to meet when you're trying to sell someone. Mm-hmm which is the procurement team. <laughs> so we'd got on the phone with the procurement team uh, and this lovely chap on the other end of the phone had, got, had said, look, we love what you guys are doing. We think it's really exciting. Microsoft are really excited to work with you. What we really need you to do is um, we, we want everything to be fair. We want it to be reasonable. We really want you to go away and just have one last look at your pricing, would you mind? And I was like, oh God, okay. Tell, what, what was it you want us to do? And they said, well, we want the pricing to just be fair for both of us. And I'm thinking, hang on, you're Microsoft on the beast of the world. <laughs> We're a 10-person agency in the center of London. Okay, you want it to be fair. Great. So I said, so you want the pricing to be fair? Yeah, yeah, it has to be fair. We want us both to come away really happy with this deal. And then that's when my little ego became a, a nightmare. And so I was like, okay. I said, I think the pricing is really fair right now, but... Are you sure you want me to look at what a fair price would be? He said, absolutely. I got off the phone and like the absolute maniac that I was, I went away and worked out what the fair price would be. Now, the fair price for this job was three times as expensive as we've actually quoted them because we'd already massively discounted it in order to give them the business. So I went back to him like an idiot. I sent an email and said, hey, Mr. X at Microsoft, um, I'm so glad you asked us for a fair price. Uh, we went away and we had a look. Uh, and as you can see, the fair price for this is this, which is actually three times more than we already quoted you, but we want it to be fair to us and to you. We never had that client ever again. No. Oh. <laughs> so I think I think everybody knew what he meant. He didn't want to pay a fair price. He just wanted a discount. And he didn't say that. And I knew that's what he wanted. And I was an absolute fool. And I was arrogant. And I was full of myself. And instead of Winning Microsoft and losing a bit of margin, we didn't ever work with Microsoft in that company, um, sadly, because the guy rightly never ever responded to our calls. <laughs> I love you sharing that. I mean, I really love you sharing that. I think it uh, it shows a lot of um, lots of courage, and also you know what you're bringing to the table. Yeah, I do. I, I, so otherwise, otherwise it wouldn't show this story. So exactly. and also I just think it's such a learning because I just think in business, I think we've all written those emails, and as you write them, a little voice in the back of your head is saying, "Do not press send," but a much bigger voice is saying, "I'm going to just do it," <laughs> and then you do it, and then you do regret it ultimately. I think we've got to be better at listening to ourselves as much as listening to our clients deep down. I believe most of the time we really know what's good for us and what's good for our clients. And despite that, we often do silly things. And that was probably the most stupid thing I've ever done in my business career. Uh, and I'm not proud of it, but it was a great lesson. And I now, whenever I get that little voice in my head, that little cheeky voice saying, just do this, I ignore it much more effectively now because I've learned how stupid that is. Hmm. And thank you for sharing that. 
Now, I would like you to tell us the story of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something you did right about approaching your customers. Great. So, a reasonable amount of time ago, um, when I was pioneering this thing that became known as co-working in the UK, yeah. we had just, we just opened our first location and we were getting incredible feedback. We didn't call it co-working back then. We, we didn't even have a name for it really, but the business was called Central Working. Uh, and we got incredible feedback from our customers. People were getting really excited about it. And then somebody messaged me, about two or three people messaged me and said, oh, by the way, Google are gonna do what you're doing. I thought, hey, what do you Google are gonna do what I'm doing? I'm doing workspaces. Google are gonna do workspaces, that's mental. Anyway, instead of just ignoring them, um, which is what I wanted to do, um, I, I reached out into my network and just said, hey, has anyone else heard about the fact that Google are trying to do this, this workspace thing? And at the time, I was close to one of the original European uh, co-founders of LinkedIn, this guy called Kevin Ayers. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin, not surprisingly, knew everyone. And I said to Kevin, hey, Kevin, can you reach out to some of your friends at Google and, and get me in touch with whoever's heading up this project? Because they're doing something that's in our space, and I think we can help them. Anyway, Kevin was a rock star, uh, and he managed to get me on the phone with his lady called Anastasia. Yeah. And I rang Anastasia and said, Anastasia, you work at Google. Um, you probably haven't heard of my company. It's called Central Working. But you have to make the time, if you have any interest at all in doing this workspace thing, to come and see me. Anyway, because she works at Google, obviously they employ some of the brightest people in the world, uh, she made the time, she came and saw me. Uh, and so when she came to see this thing we created, she was blown away. Wow. Uh, and what I didn't realize is they had been running a process for nearly six months, working out how and who they were going to partner with on this new exciting project that became something called uh, Google Campus. There's actually one in Tel Aviv. I don't know if you've ever been Sure, there is one in Tel Aviv. I've been lecturing there a lot. It's, so that project started in Britain. Uh, and it started in East London. Didn't know that. Yeah, so the first okay. ever Google campus was in Britain. And this lady, Anastasia, uh, was running the project. And so they'd been looking to do this Google campus thing for ages. It wasn't called Google campus. They didn't have a name for it at the time. And anyway, I managed to get her to come and see our project. She was blown away. And she then put us into what was nearly the final stages of a procurement process. And we leapfrogged everyone else they've been talking to for six months and we won the contract to wow. design what was going to ultimately become Google Campus. So for three years, for the for six months, we worked closely with them on developing this idea. And then for three more years, we actually ran and operated parts of that project in the UK that then rolled out around the world. That to me was one of my finest moments because it took something that should have been a threat and made it into an opportunity. And that, obviously, the legacy of Google Campus rolls on around the world forever. It's something that I'm really proud to have been involved in the creation of. Uh, and it really helped my business because, obviously, as you can imagine, when you're starting out and you've got one site, if your second site is in partnership with Google, you have a brilliant leg up in the right direction. Wow, what a beautiful story. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. James, can you recommend the best, most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer-focused marketing or sales? However, 
I'm not looking for the last shining tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really works for you and might help other entrepreneurs as well. Okay, sure. that's easy. I'm sorry this is going to sound like a blatant plug, um, but it's um, there's a lovely piece of software that I use every single day of the week. Um, I find it, and I am reasonably clever, but not super, super technical. Uh, and this piece of software makes my life easy. It makes my sales process effortless. Uh, and it's a lovely piece of software called Pipe Drive. Pipe Drive. Yeah, and it's, just, it's a really lovely CRM tool for sales. It's so simple, so powerful, and I, I really, really enjoy using it every day. It's great because when someone, that all he does these days is helping softwares, software be more understandable and helping people implement things, and when you recommend on a software, I believe it will be a very easy one to use. So I'm going to try it anyhow, because Apparently, yes, I am. I believe um, I find I find CRM systems still not as easy to use as I would expect. So yeah, this is so lovely, so intuitive, so simple. It's gorgeous. And we'll put the link in the show notes of this interview. Yeah. You know, there are many factors that affect one's success. However, I do believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really helps them succeed and helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I think it's mental clarity. So we operate in a very, very noisy world. Mm -hmm. um, everything we do, um, from the way the email is received into our inboxes, to the way we get phone calls and text messages, to the apps that we are constantly pinged by, by friends, family, and people we've never met before. Um, there's a lot of noise outside. Um, and I also think we have demand, like ridiculous amounts of demands on our time from family and friends, through to paying the bills, uh, and keeping our business afloat. That can create an enormous amount of noise in our heads. And I think what's really interesting is the consequence of that noise is, for the most part, very rarely taken into consideration by any one individual. We discount how busy our heads are, and we don't realize the impact of our busy heads on our daily lives. And if I can give Everyone, just one simple, powerful example that I think is a lovely way to describe this phenomenon that can pervade every aspect of our life mm -hmm. is think about a time when you last lost your house keys. Hmm. Everyone's done it. You don't know anyone who hasn't done it. And what's interesting about it is normally the experience is this. I'm in a rush. I can't find my house keys. I look everywhere. I can't find my house keys. I bring other members of my family and friends into this <laughs> search and normally they will find my keys in a place that I already looked. And I said, how is this possible? How is it possible that suddenly the keys that I looked in my pocket three times, they were not there. The fourth time or when someone else looks, they are there. <laughs> and what it points to really is this un unmistakable truth that is discounted that when we are busy in our heads, it warps the way we see everything. 
And that is as true for a physical thing like some keys as it is to an idea or to a sales opportunity. And so you've got to understand the noise in your mind, how busy your head is, where your head's at. And you've got to take that into consideration. And you should aim to try and reduce how busy your mind is so that you can think more clearly, so that you're not so anxious. Because when you do that, when you're more settled down, you will hear and see more of the world and be able to make smarter decisions. And when you're sped up, you'll do things like lose your keys in your pocket, lose your glasses on your head, <laughs> miss that bit of opportunity that's right in front of you because you can't hear it because you're so in your own head. I love it because I think finding some clarity in our heads today when everything is so hectic and when we have so many tools and so many communication devices and so many communications routes, I believe this is a very wise advice. <laughs> my final question, before I'll ask you what is the best way to connect with you, my final question is my mountain question. And as my listeners already know, I've been imagining this journey of entrepreneurship as climbing a mountain, step after step after step. And then when you reach the peak, usually you are looking to climb a higher peak and then you need to go down for a while. And at some point I started to ask my guests, and that's what I'm asking you, whether you ever climbed a mountain or wished to climb a mountain, or do you have any relationships with mountains at all? That's a beautiful question. <laughs> um, so interestingly, one day, uh, a couple of years ago, I, I'll call them a friend, but I think they're still a friend, rang me and said, hey, James, how do you fancy going to Machu Picchu? In Peru. Um, I was like, sure, sign me up. Sign me up. And, and so they did. I did not have any idea what I'd signed up for. So they'd signed up for <laughs> like the four-day hike. And you are like, it's intense. Like the level of intensity of that hike for me was off the charts. At one time, I was just laying on the floor, gasping for breath. And I thought I was wearing a very tight hat, but it was basically just altitude sickness plus exertion. Um, it was ridiculous. I don't think I've ever worked so hard in my life. I don't think I've ever had wow. fun being outside uh, in nature. Um, and I don't think I've ever felt more physically challenged than I did on that trip. Um, it, it was so beautiful and so inspirational. It, it brought me closer to the two friends I went on that trip with. It's something that I'll remember forever. And it really inspired me to want to do more of it. And I think it's true of anything like that. When you push yourself beyond your physical limits and mental limits, be that in business or, as in this case, in, in climbing a mountain, an actual mountain, then it just shows you what is possible. And I think we hold ourselves back so often. We limit ourselves so often. Um, we don't even realize that we're doing it to ourselves. And so I suppose... Again, if you said to me, did I train for that? Not really, no. But did I really push myself and did I get the most out of it? Absolutely, yes. Um, yeah. And am I surprised at how, how I, uh, what I accomplished looking back? Absolutely, yes. If you said, James, do you like tents? I'd say no. And say, do you like hiking? I'd say no. And <laughs> I mean, none of those things. Do you like going to the bathroom in the dark 
with spiders running around in the pocket? I'd say no. Um, except <laughs> on that trip, I did all of those things with absolute joy in my heart and really, really, really relished it. And it opened my eyes to, I suppose, the potential in things. So I suppose, I think challenging yourself is so important and it gives you so much growth and it's so simple to do. And we can do it every day if we want to. So I'm, I'm really glad you asked the question. Hmm. Thank you. James, what would be the best way to connect with you for any of our listeners that would like to be in touch? Um, the easiest and simplest way is in my LinkedIn, and I'll share the LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn very, very easily. Uh, so yeah, reach out via LinkedIn, um, say a friendly hello, um, connect with me there, um, and I'm sure there's lots of opportunities. Obviously, if you're looking for software, or you have a business that is looking at consulting your software, we have the tool for you, it's called ClearFind. Um, and I look forward to hearing from all of your listeners and hear about their mountaineering expeditions in the future. <laughs> and that's great. And we'll have these links as well as the link to to ClearFind uh, in our uh, in our website in the show notes of this interview. And James, I would like to thank you so much. I enjoyed this interview a lot. I think there were some brilliant answers and I'm sure our listeners would love that. Thank you so much, Harvey. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much and take care and bye-bye. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.